0: Ninth
1: Story Studios, giving story a voice.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Daniel Foytek, and I welcome you to our second interview for Inside the Music Box. We're hard at work on season five, as well as our mini-series To Those Who Thrive in the Dark, and a couple of mini-episodes. We also have two more interviews coming your way before we dive deep into season five. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this discussion with our composer, Nico Viteze. So today, my guest is the great Nico Viteze. I like to over—I like like just like to overemphasize the Italian thing because I I pronounced your name so poorly when we first met each other. (laughs) Nico Vite—what was it? Nico Viteze or something? I used to say. I don't know. Some terrible American accent.
2: It was beautiful. It was yeah. absolutely beautiful. Don't don't worry about it. I'm not worried. Are you worried? I'm not worried. Don't worry about it.
0: Not at this point, because you know <laughs> my God, how long have I known you now? Years. We're like we're like brothers now. Um fifteen. Yeah
2: and it was July of that year. So
0: See, Nico knows the exact date. I guess that means you like you care more about the relationship than I do.
2: <laughs> it was it was because I was a waiter. Uh, it's because I was working full-time as a waiter, and I had this crazy idea back in, like, April of that year. Like, maybe I could do music. Maybe yeah, you get really
0: quiet music. there for a second, my friend. Did you step away from the mic?
2: Did I? Oh, um, oh right, 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 right. I know what I did. Ah, there you are. <laughs> right, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Is are this you... going to make a difference here?
0: Yeah, ha- I can hear you. Ha- I can hear you ha- lovely ha- now. Ha-
2: Oh you can hear me lovely, but what I was doing is that I noticed i was I was getting a little bit too loud on the uh the thing I'm recording here so I turned it down on my audio interface oh, forgetting okay. that it's gonna affect your audio too so do you want to do that little bit again or do you want me to just carry on or
0: no, it's just part of the fun, dude. I mean, like, I, I, I'm doing this interview the same way I did Amber's interview, which is, is basically just saying, like, this isn't the traditional interview that you're going to get on, like, Johnny Carson or something. You know, this is just me and you. We're buddies. We're hanging out. We're talking about the shows that we work on, uh, particularly the the lift for for this interview. I mean, we can mention the mm-hmm. Wicked Library a little bit, too, but um, main focus on the lift and just kind of an insight for people in terms of what we do and, and how we do it and why we do it the way we do it so
2: but uh yeah I remember the day it's because like I said I was a waiter and it was like one of those oh got an email oh what does this email says oh the email <laughs> wants me to do some music oh I like that that means I don't have to serve people food no more I really like that so you know you, you remember saying things like that
0: yeah. yeah yeah so it's what six years now then and yeah. uh We, uh, no one knows most people, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if we ever talked about it, but not many people know this at least anyway. Um, we were, we, we met whenever I went over, uh, to see my sister in Germany back in, what was that? 2019. Um, so we actually have met in, in the real world space and, um, we were, we were supposed to go on a, on a little trip, a little adventure here. Um, What was that, June of last year, I think, or May of last year?
2: It was organized for May of last year. I remember because it it, it hit, like, there was a- Guess what happened, uh, folks? (laughs) Obviously, it was hitting China hard. Yeah. And then for some odd reason, Italy became the next hotspot, which I still don't fully understand why, but exactly in the region where we were going to go to. (laughs) And we were thinking, like it'll be, it'll kind of die down in a few weeks. And then I kept on thinking, is there going to be the stigma of me going to a place that had a virus? And then yeah. it catapulted. This was like February, end of February, start of March, <laughs> and then pretty soon everything closed. And we're like, oh well, there goes that dream. Bye yeah. bye, Italy.
0: <laughs> we had tickets bought. We had hotels booked. We were going to hang out in Milan. Uh, we're going to have a good time. Um... Because Nico is not only a fantastic composer and a great human being, but he's a lot of fun to hang out with. And uh, I was uh, planning on going over to Europe again, and I'm like, well, why don't we like actually plan? Because last time it was kind of uh, – Im- well, it wasn't necessarily impromptu. We did plan it like a couple weeks in advance, but we just met in in Liverpool for a day and hung out. Uh, saw the Beatles Museum and looked at a bunch of jelly beans and stuff like that and mm-hmm. uh, had dinner. And, and then you had to go home. And I'm like, well, you know, we need a few days to just kind of hang out and, you know, do something together. So that was going to be cool. But then then the pandemic hit. And then everybody, the pandemic. Yeah, there, there needs to be like like a sad trombone right there. Um, <laughs> but it feels like it's been forever. I mean, it's it's been, what, just a little bit over a year now we're not even at a year from when we were supposed to have that trip, and it's just like, I don't know. Uh, I had rescheduled my my trip until November, and then I scheduled again for May, and of course, that's not going to work either, so now I just have a flight credit. I mean, for me... But we'll hang out again. We definitely will
2: hang out again. Like, it's it's just been postponed, but it definitely will. Like, it's not exactly like... the The great thing about remote recording is, like, our friendship doesn't die out because one of us moves to like another city or whatnot. We're already in effect in a long distance relationship over these That's past right. five years. So it's like, it's fine. This is just what we're used to. It's fine. Don't worry about
0: it. Exactly. Um, it's, it's so weird. I mean, I have this conversation. I had this conversation with Amber whenever I interviewed her, it's it's weird that you can like develop such a good rapport and friendship with someone that you've never met that, you know, yeah. you're on the opposite side of the, the planet from at least we speak the same language or close enough. Um, and whenever you, you like stop back and realize you're like, you know what? I've never actually met you like in, in the real world. I mean, it's just strange, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think that speaks to, you know, the, the common interest in, in storytelling and, and music and, uh, just like the whole thing that we make together, that creative outlet, it's just, that's where we meet. That's where we connect is on, is on that stuff. And it's really cool.
2: It is really cool. And it's, I think that's a big thing about what 2020 has drilled into me is that I was already doing remote work by myself anyway. Um, The whole uh, composing, producing, whatnot. Mm -hmm. is pretty solitary it can be very solitary especially when it's podcasts because it really is it goes from one person's computer in a room to another person's computer in a completely different area so Mm -hmm. you're very used to working by yourself and 2020 I think made me realize how do I make this work for me Mm -hmm. how do I capitalize it how do I make myself feel connected to the world connected to people whilst I'm still in a room by myself yeah, and that was pretty much 2020 was the year when i re- decided i don't want to be just known for the music i want to be making music but i want to use that music to connect with people mm-hmm. and so i used it as a lesson to basically say hey i've worked in the show this is actually who i am on my twitter and whatnot and from there create a community of people and break down that barrier between sort of creator and listener yeah, and sort of show how we're all people. And I think 2020 has been quite a blessing to me because it's made me realize what's important to me. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I think that that's been the case for a lot of, for, you know, for everyone. Um, we've kind of figured out what the, what the important stuff is and what the important, what the stuff is that isn't important. Um, and it's, it's, it's been tough. I mean, I think it's been tough. I mean, I'm a, very much an introvert um, I do very poorly typically in large crowds of people. Um, I'm best whenever I'm behind this microphone and I'm in a quiet place where it's just me and my notes. And um, it's it's but it, it, even I can admit that it's tough to, like, not be able to go out and do the normal things without a whole bunch of precautions. And. You know, I mean, I've been hesitant to go out and, like, walk my dogs in the park because invariably, you know, you run into other humans and they want to talk and not everybody wants Mm -hmm. to wear a mask. And um, I get my second vaccine tomorrow as this as this is being recorded. So I'm excited about that. Yes. Uh, A couple weeks after that, I should be mostly harmless and relatively safe. But, you know, as I've been trying to explain to certain friends and relatives, like, Being vaccinated is not a free pass. Um, You can still get it. You can still get sick and pass it on. But that's the way that all vaccines work. Like a vaccine doesn't make you immune. It just makes it so that your body attacks it right away and you get a very mild or non-apparent case of whatever it happens to be, you know, be it chicken pox or polio or whatever the case may be. It doesn't mean you're immune. It just means you're built to deal with it.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. 100% 100%
0: agree. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm I mean, I'm sure for a lot of listeners it's been tough. I mean, I know that I have a lot, of, a lot of listeners that listen to this on commutes to work, and a lot of people work from home now. Uh, a lot of listeners that would go out to the gym and listen to it while they're working out. And, of course, a lot of people are working out at home now or, you know, gym numbers are way down, so people are far apart. I I, it's it's surprising to me that the number of people that listen to podcasts has not gone down more than it has um, because it seems like it's an activity that you can do whilst you're doing other things, and it's not so much a, I'm sitting in my chair, I'm making time just to listen to a podcast, for most people.
2: What I found... Because I'm very lucky to work on so many podcasts, like a different genre, like you, on an average thing, a person should only, well, on an average, a person should never produce a podcast because podcasts are the biggest (laughs) unwildly beast in the world. But you create, what, the Wicked Library, the Lift, the Private Collector, Wicked Fairy Tales, Night Story. Over the years. And that to me is, these are the job of about four people, really condensed <laughs> into one.
1: Uh,
2: yeah, at times <laughs> I
0: feel like I have to be five or six different people. Yeah, it's true.
2: Uh, whereas in myself, I compose or produce or edit various parts and lots of other shows. So I sort mm-hmm. of dip and dive in and out. And it's interesting to see the figures because there's some shows where most of their listenership were people who used to listen on their commute. Mm hmm so true crime very much falls into that especially at the gym as well people like to get lost for about an hour whilst they do other things that's dived unless you're very 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 good at what you do in which case numbers go up because people are chasing the quality now yeah for audio dramas i think it's became a safe haven for people because there's a lot of shows on tv that have hit hit uh, hiatuses because they just they can't record they can't film yeah in the places true. so the attention for like audio dramas and high polished shows and they're going into podcasts um yeah and in that regards the podcast i work who do these sort of shows their numbers have skyrocketed um during the pandemic
0: yeah that's a fair point i hadn't thought about that you know i mean. It's, it's been rough because, I mean, I've had some medical issues over the last, I've been in the hospital, what, four or five times in the last year and a half, year, something like that since last, uh, last summer uh, was whenever the, the fun began with the, the pancreatitis and then the appendicitis and then uh, secondary infections and yeah. So anyway, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like, and uh, this is my apology to listeners, like I haven't. I haven't used this pandemic to like buckle down and, and focus on my art, which is I think what a lot of people do in a pandemic. I mean, there's some, some history of like past pandemics, like, you know, Shakespeare was really active during a pandemic and, you know, a lot of creative minds, they, they write and create more stuff whenever they're, they're homebound. Uh, I'm homebound for this stuff all the time. um, but unfortunately, health issues <laughs> health yeah. issues have to come first. And when you feel like shit, you don't feel like doing shit. Um, I, 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 I'll sit on the couch and I'll be like, you know, I should get up and write. And I'm like, I just don't feel it, man. You know, it's like the pain and the the um, the low level uh, exhaustion that i yeah. I constantly because that's one thing you know, like I never thought about before. Like when you're, when your body's healing, you're exhausted constantly. Oh yeah. And based on the nature of my injuries and conditions, like I haven't been able to exercise. I can't go out and take walks. So I just sit here getting fatter and fatter. And, uh, yesterday I decided enough was enough and I started working out again. So it'll take me a few months to get back to where I was. Um, but you gotta take care of the, gotta, it's like. Got to take care of it. Got to do it. Got to do it, whether it's uncomfortable or not. Mm-hmm.
2: And the, the leading on from that, and it's what kind of annoys me with, I mean, it annoys me. It's very, very prevalent in health and fitness, but it's leaking over into creative fields as well, where you have these adverts where it's like saying, you are a lion or, you know, <laughs> you, you are a beast. You are this god, you know. Wow. And they want you to believe that you can cut it, like you can have a routine and you can structure it and say like you you are like a, a machine who can just flick <laughs> on a switch and work 8 hours a day and flick it back off yeah and it's wrong and it's the people who believe that continuously fail because they don't realize you need energy to get to be put into thinking about a a project, whatever that project may be. Mm -hmm. You need energy for that. And then you need energy to be inspired. And if you're trying to sit there eight hours a day just staring at a computer screen, you're not gonna be producing your best work. It's literally (laughs) you you need time to be a human. You need time to realise that like well it's like the bloody playing the Sims. Like you can't force your sim to just sit there and learn (laughs) a bloody guitar. Like you won't do it. You have to sort of like Take care of yourself whether that's like eating healthy or taking a walk or more importantly bloody watching TV Whatever the hell you want to do that makes you happy. That's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah Make yourself book, happy. spend time with your dog Yeah, go out and for a walk look at a bird look out your window at the squirrels <laughs> for a little while whatever
2: And then you suddenly realize what used to take you eight hours can actually get done in 20 minutes because you're inspired to do that thing and yeah when you figure that out, when you realize all these corporations and advertiser people are lying to you, it's just like, Oh, I don't need your product. I don't need your 2000 quid thing to make me a better person. <laughs> that's right. It's been in me the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, 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 no, <laughs> you were just reminding me of that then.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. It's, um, it's, uh, it's one of the things that's, that's important is knowing Knowing, Finding your muse and knowing your muse, and, and the only way you do that is in those quiet times whenever you give yourself permission to do the things that are important to you. I mean, inspiration doesn't come when you're sitting. Well, I mean, it does to a certain extent, but, I mean, the inspiration isn't isn't as apparent when you're actually sitting there and creating something. It's more... In the lead up to it, or in those quiet moments when your mind gets to wonder and an idea comes to you, and you're like, "Oh, that's going to be a great idea for a story," and you know, then then the characters start to talk to you, or in your case, you probably start to hear different instruments.
2: Mm-hmm. So, but it's uh, it's always been kind of hard to figure out how stuff comes to me. I think for me, like people sort of say, "Well, the music's going to tell a story." Or to sort of like see it like mathematically and stuff. For me, other people like Will Smith made a really good thing when he was talking about how he gets into the vo- how he gets into the mindset of the playpool, he acts. He always says that he's not really acting; he's kind of placing himself into their life. So, like the Pursuit of Happiness is probably mm-hmm. the best example of that. Like Great movie. He, he basically lived that. He tried to. Relived that life when he was offset as well, so he really sh- restricted how much, like you know, food he had every day, how much time he spent reading, whatnot. Um, for me, I kind of do the same thing, but when I'm trying to produce music, say Victoria's Lift, because we're chatting about the lifts, yeah, I try and picture it's almost like a memory. It's not so much a story, but when I ever hear the. The melody for Victoria's theme is very much... I picture her by herself with the music box, playing that to herself. Yeah. And that's what I want people to feel like. Oh, you're into Victoria's world. You're into Victoria's memories, Victoria's domain. And then she'll, you know, distort, make people go and face their realities and whatnot. But for me, it was once I figured out I wanted it to feel like memories once it's mm-hmm. not so much a story but it's almost like a photograph you've just taken of that person you're looking back at this photograph uh for me that's how I want my music to feel and that's why Victoria's theme I mean it's based off something you created you gave me the blueprints
0: oh but, yeah there's a uh, few little awkward notes that I that I was able to play out and go this is something there's something here but I, I'm not I'm, it's not my wheelhouse. I'm not quite able to, to get this thing to grow into what it should be. And yeah, you kind of took it and you're like, oh, well, this makes sense. Okay. And then it was very, like, what, I, I think a week later that you're like, here's the theme. It's done. <laughs>
2: I got inspired. Yeah. Cause I, I want it to feel like when you listen to the music by itself, you can immediately tell who it is and what it's doing and what it's trying to, what emotions are evoked with it. And, yeah, and plus I'm a sucker for music boxes anyway. Music boxes are really fun to write for. They're all tinkly and pretty, but you can also distort them quite easily, making it sound creepy. Yeah. They're yeah. quite versatile little things for like a little plinky-plunky metal yeah. so Yeah,
0: and that's the cool thing about her music boxes. You know, it's it's not limited. It, it can play whatever it wants. Um, so that's that's always fun. Yeah, I mean, her, her world is... I mean, and you're right. I mean, that's when I'm in the right mindset and when... I'm doing my best kind of outlining and writing stories for that world. It, it's something that's kind of almost a, a remembered dream that's kind of tilted over into the shadow edge of a, of a nightmare, but not quite. Um, I still remember a dream that I had probably two or three years ago, and I had never had like a dream about Victoria and you know, despite writing her world and, and dreaming about situations that come up in her world, but never actually having met her in the dreamscape and then just, like, meeting her one time whenever I was dreaming, and I was just like, she's actually kind of scary. Um, mm-hmm. I forget because, you know, like, how dear to me she is and, and you know, her funniness and her good side and um, just the the qualities of her that make her so redeeming, but, like, to be faced with her... In, in all of her power and what she actually is, um, she's a little intimidating. Yeah, and it's 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 things like that that help me remember. You know, like there are those times, and I and I, I think they they tend to creep into every story that I write now. Like where there is that moment when you're with Victoria and you're like, I'm a little uncomfortable with you, um, but then it, she quickly moves on, and you know, it's all roses and happiness and everything again. But um there's definitely that element that, that works its way through the music and, and and especially in what you created and and a lot of the scores that you create for the show where we have that alone time with Victoria and it's uh, it just evokes that, that other, other worldliness.
2: I think the thing that we always try to focus on, which we kind of had a lot of uh, the thing about the Victoria's lift is that it's been my fir- it was always my first foray into making soundtracks full stop. Like I did, I did little projects before them, but it was more like here's the idea of a project. The Victoria's Lift was the first thing that actually got far enough into production that we we could release episodes. Yeah. So there was a lot of me, especially in the earlier seasons, trying to figure out how do you do this and not only that but audio dramas in podcasts there was a few really big hitters but the most part it's a new medium Mm -hmm. so you're trying to figure out what works best for podcasts and i've learned over the years that it's very hard to put melodies into an audio drama score without it battling for attention and yeah. I've, I've learned what the rules... I kind of have my own sort of rules, and I know kind of what will work in this sort of audio spectrum.
0: We're gonna go ahead and take a quick break now, and when we come back, we'll discuss more with Nico about how he creates the musical background for Victoria's World.
1: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Dw void prohibited by law, see terms and conditions. 18 plus
2: I kinda have my own sort of rules and I know kind of what will work in this sort of audio spectrum. Um but the basics of it are the music box works really well because it's high pitched and the notes are very clean. Mm-hmm. Like whereas if you kinda of use it for piano, the piano's quite is a lot thicker in sound and takes up more space. And then especially if you're using like a guitar or bass guitar or whatnot, you're using a hell of a lot of space. So there's been a lot of bass in that. But the thing we always try to do with Victoria's Lift is trying to have that distinction between people's lives before Victoria gets them. And then the second half of the episode where they meet Victoria and now you're in Victoria's domain. Right. And yeah, she's, she's showing you stuff and you're going through your own memories or perceptions and whatnot. But Victoria's in control. And we worked... Well, I say we worked hard. You've you've always... You've worked in the production side and brought everything to make it feel more distinct. And my turn of the music has brought... Trying to replicate what you're doing uh, with the plot and production-wise and how it sounds. Because I really do feel like there's almost like a switching moment once that theme plays. Yeah. And then everything after... It's all Victoria.
0: Yeah, there's and, uh, there's definitely a, a a a change whenever she's present, and um, when people start to realize what's going on and and what they have to do, and some are more receptive than others to that to that choice, like normal people. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a certain je ne sais quoi that that we, that we we strive for, um, and 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 that's a fair point too. You know that the. the anything that lives kind of within the human vocal range is, is stuff that's tough to work with in audio drama and with themes, you know, you kind of need stuff to lie below and above that, that vocal range. Um, and it serves two purposes because I mean, I don't think that any of my voice actors, well, not any few of my, a few of my, a few of my voice actors have like really good recording environments. Um, but most of us, myself included, we're recording from a home studio. So it's not the same as recording in. Even though it's close and, and, and it's good, there are little things that come in occasionally where, you know, you might hear a noise that's not really meant to be there. And there have been a couple of times, and you've done it brilliantly, where I've pointed out, hey, Nico, at this point, you can kind of hear this. Can we kind of try to mask that with the music? <laughs> you know, try to get into yeah. that same that same musical range or that, that – um, dynamic t- so that we can we can mask that so i mean the score does help mask little imperfections uh, obviously if there's like big stuff that happens it's pretty hard to get rid of you just have to do a retake uh, but we can we can kind of work our way around some of the smaller stuff and uh it, it obviously it makes the job of the narrator and the actors and actresses much easier to have that um that throughfare of the music that, that just kind of has its own shorthand that we all kind of respond to on a much more emotional level. Um, and, and actually, I guess if, since we're interviewing, maybe that's, I'll, I'll, I have a couple things that I wrote down as questions um, <laughs> that, that may be interesting. So that was one of the questions that I have is like, how do you know to evoke, how do you, how do you pick the right instrument and the right melody to evoke certain emotions? I mean, are you touching on, you know, shorthand for cultural and traditional sounds that we all kind of have a shorthand of, or, and, and I'm sure there's more to it than that though.
2: The, the way I attack any sort of score, any sort of soundtrack is first and foremost, you kind of, you, you categorize it down. So first off on the basic level, what emotions are you trying to portray in this scene? Or what emotions are you doing for your soundtrack? So on the basic level, is this a horror? Is this spooky? Is this, you know, happy? Is this whatnot? That's one part. The second part is like the sub-parts of that. So say it's horror. Are you going for really up-close gore? Are you going for like a really slow burn? Are you going for something that you want people to sort of need to dive in and kind of get the plot points out by studying it? That's the second part that's the the basic really uh shallow part to it then i start thinking about what's unique to the show in this case it's victoria's left sometimes i run other podcasts or whatnot but for victoria's left i needed to figure out what's unique about victoria and the thing about victoria is you need to kind of blend well very obviously she's a victorian girl so, which is why we have a very Victorian-esque melody playing on a music box. Mm-hmm. But more so you needed it to feel otherworldly but not cliche, not cheesy. Mm-hmm. And the way I do it is there's a lot of uh if it's sim if it's scenes where I don't need to be making too much noise, I use drones which have got a chorus effect on it. Okay, And for those who don't know what Chorus is, Chorus basically doubles it. So you have one noise which is in key, and then they'll layer it with another noise, the exact same noise, but it's been detuned ever so slightly off key. So it's got that kind of airiness to it. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start playing with it. That's when you can start making people to realize this reality is starting to distort. Not overly but a little bit to make you start feeling like, what what's going on? Why is this different? I can't figure out why this is different, <laughs> which I imagine is the case with a lot of people calling Victoria. Um, and then there's other scenes where Victoria's pretty angry or pretty um, emotional over their responses or trying to get them to plead their guilt and change their paths. Mm-hmm. For me, the sound palettes that I use is what invokes that sense of reality. So it's not so much... Like, even if we never even had... Even if she never had a music box, even if it's just the sounds that the drones and the ambient noise in itself, it still sounds like Victoria. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Because it's her world. And it's... You hear the emotions, but what's important is to make it feel like you're in her... You're in her control. So the sounds I use are generally... I try and keep it organic sounds, but I'll kind of distort it slightly. So
0: it feels
2: not Twilight Zone-y, but somewhere in that similar ballpark.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. It's, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring up the Twilight Zone because I was actually kind of thinking about that as you were talking that there are certain environments, at least for me, where, you know, you can tell where you're at. So, I mean, like if you listen to the soundtrack behind an X-Files episode, um, or even the way that the camera is, is used in, in X-Files episodes. Uh, but since we're, we're sticking with audio, um, you look at the soundscape of, of an X-Files episode, and you know that you're in the next room, you know somebody's watching an X-Files episode. Yeah. Um, you can do the same thing with Star Wars or uh, with the Twilight Zone. Was what was the other one I was thinking of. It's like, you know, even from another room, I can tell that it's the Twilight Zone, if I've even if I've never seen that episode. Uh, or don't remember seeing that episode. It's just, it's, there's a certain something about it and you've done an amazing job of kind of creating that environment that Victoria lives in. Um, and it, it's like you said, it's just like I've described it whenever I've written stories that like it's, it's turned ever, it's like a fraction of a fraction from, from normal. And you can tell that something is slightly off.
2: You gave me a good word to build off. So that always helps dramatically. Yeah. Um, but I think with the structure of Victoria's left and this is coming more well, on. Well, let me stop actually for
0: a second. Cause I just said, yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 I don't want to take all the credit for it because the writers <laughs> have written some amazing episodes. Yeah. I mean, I created Victoria and her world and uh, built a place for everybody to run around in, but you know, a lot of people develop that. And, and you're a huge part of that as well. So yeah, I agree. There, there's a great world that we have as a team created um, that probably does make it a lot easier to uh, kind of go back to because it is very distinct.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about the format with the Victor- with Victoria's Left is that we use the music box a lot as a way of just signposting. This is when Victoria's about to come up, mm-hmm. and because of that, it's, it's now been used in almost every episode. It's very much the heart of the soundtrack of the Victoria's Left. It feels weird when it's not there, if it's not for a plot-specific sp- yes. point. Because it's quite known and because you can hear it so clearly and distinctly, it makes me have to make sure the rest of the score varies from episode to episode. Because gotcha. you can fall into the thing of making it feel like a daytime TV show, where it's like you, you, if you wanted to... and I, I, I'm glad we don't. You can do it very specifically heartbeats. So person's scared or what? Well, person's <laughs> living their life. I
0: know what you're talking about. Then Victoria.
2: Yeah. <laughs> then Victoria notices them. Then they start to get scared. Then the next point is Victoria showing them what they're doing wrong. Then they've got the choice and doing yeah. that. You can boil it down to that and make it very simple. And I can make a soundtrack that reflects that. But people don't want to listen to that. I don't listen to because that's boring if we try to like generic it's yeah. like that so other than you've got the you've got the intro at the start you've got the music box in the middle and then you've got the outro everything else will play around in the format and we'll make sure it's shown various different aspects not because like every character is different so they're bringing only personalities into the uh, that episode anyway uh-huh. but i want to show the various ways that victoria deals with it because she's not one layered character, there's so many different dimensions to Victoria, yeah. and she studies her not victims, her subjects, mm-hmm. and figures out what's the best way to tackle their problems. Which ones need a push, which ones need to be calmed down, which ones are just utter bastards, so you need to chuck them into the dungeons. uh but yeah, I wanted to show that, and I didn't want to... I mean, I think I had the idea at one point, but I'm glad I didn't really do it, is that we were going to have, like, a different theme for whichever floor she was going to send them to. Okay. But I didn't want to do that, because then that will mean every single time that floor pops up, it's going to feel like the best. Right, And We've, exactly. we've already got too many big-hitting, melodic themes within the show already. Um. So, yeah, I I kind of realized halfway through producing one of them that this is not going to work. I don't want to do this. Yeah. So,
0: you know, it's a a fair thing because she is kind of a chameleon. And um, I've often said to, you know, Cindy, who was the co-creator for the show, that, you know, Victoria has this way about her where she can be who she needs to be For that particular person, that's part of what makes her their guide is that she adapts herself to kind of what they need her to be to lead them in the right direction. And there's actually a mini series that we we, we talked about exclusive ex- extensively prior to me hitting the record button. Um, so a lot of that stuff's going to stay secret because it's hmm. no fun if it's not. But um, we are, we are working on a mini series that for the lift, which I announced today via social media. And uh, it's completely written by our good friend, Christopher long. Um, he's written an episode for the lift before, and he's written multiple episodes of the wicked library before, mm-hmm. And, um, we kind of, he and I kind of collaborated on what the story structure was and kind of what I envisioned happening. And then he kind of took it and ran with it and did so in an amazing way. And he w- went back and referenced a lot of the old episodes and re-listened to the entire series of, of shows and, uh, kind of came away with it with picking up certain things that have always been embedded in there and have always kind of been, but if you only listen to like one episode One time um, and then another one a month later and so on and so forth. You're not going to get kind of all these little subtle things that are hidden in there. Um, And I thought what I would do is I'm going to I'm actually going to read something off of the uh, the script for the first episode. So here you are, folks, you're getting an exclusive sneak peek Mm -hmm. into uh, some of the story that that Chris wrote um, and it's it's a 10-part series that's going to be a lot of fun. We're putting it together as an exclusive for our Patreon supporters at the $5 a month and above level is kind of a thank you for them making the show as po- you know, possible and helping us get it to where it is. Um, and, and then Chris will also be taking – he's taken his scripts and he's writing a novella based upon that, so it will actually be a completely different experience, which I really like because to me reading something in prose form – Um, with extra layers and sound effects that occur in your own mind that are part of the description of the text is a different experience from actually listening to an audio drama with different characters playing the parts and um, the sound effects in the background and the music and the score. And I think that they're two totally different things, but they're definitely complementary of each other. Like if you hear the series and then you read the book afterwards, you're going to get all these other nuances and layers um, but at the same time, you're probably hearing in your mind, at least I would be, the music and the characters speaking and things like that. Um, but the scene is Victoria is, is talking to an interloper into the building. Uh, and the interloper happens to be a cat because they're very good at finding their way into places where they're not necessarily supposed to be. And so Victoria says to the cat, she says, hello, where did you come from? Now, this cat knew better than to flee in a place where direction was rarely a certainty. Instead, she realized on her, she relied on her instincts. She did her best to look small and kind and friendly. Little did she realize the girl was doing the exact same thing. And I think that really <laughs> captures who Victoria is because she's a very powerful being, as listeners know. She has a lot of oomph behind her. And people very rarely get to see that there are a couple episodes where she kind of reveals herself in her true form and it's pretty intimidating, but she spends a lot of her time just looking small and kind and friendly and, and slowly guiding people to where they need to be because I mean, truly she is compassion and behind that is a lot of power. And I think that that's important, like to have a lot of power and to use it, Without kindness is devastating and bad, but to have a lot of power and know when not to use it and and when to apply gentle pressure is kind of the epitome of of handling that power.
2: Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. It's not. I mean, is it was it Schindler's List. The uh, sorry, I'll say that again because I it creaks my chair. Ah, so was it Schindler's the creek, List? The
0: creek just adds atmosphere. It's like we're Whoa. sitting in an old tea room together. We've got a good old
2: creek. It's a squeaky right. chair, but it's got. I like it because you can lean back in it and you can feel all nice and cosy. Because I'm you know, and my back ain't what it used to be. It's fine. I'm just being lazy. My back is absolutely fine and healthy, and I'm just being lazy. But um, Schindler's List. It wasn't Schindler's List. Where it was like saying it's great power uh, is great. power. Power is when you have the ability to use it, but don't. And it's like knowing when you should be exerting it and when you should not be. But most of the case, it's more showing that you can absolutely destroy them. Victoria very much can do, but she shows great restraint into not doing that. And um, yeah, it's very admirable, obviously, because... Victoria is very admirable and incredible character with much depth, but also it just shows a lot of nuance and it shows a lot more thought into... Because you could have quite easily made Victoria's Lift into just an all-out horror show or a Twilight Zone mm-hmm. copy. Quite easily. I could see very much easily how it could have done into that, but you didn't do that. And you I, I would hesitate to ever even call Victoria's Lift any form of horror because it's very much more well it's more about the people it's more about choosing what you what people's morals are and yes some of them choose mm, evil's not the right words but they choose selfishness poorly, poorly. Yeah. um and Victoria punishes them for that and you can very much turn that into horror if you want to but and the most part is very much showing people about what it could be like.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll. I mean, people may not have picked up on this, but I'm sure they have. I mean, the show is about change. It's about it's about transformation, and the the, the reason why there's this creepy horror element that kind of permeates everything is because change is terrifying to, to and i've always said i don't know whether i've stolen it from someone or whether it's my own thoughts but it's it's appeared in episodes before but the the phrase beyond fear lies change and and that's kind of the way that i approach life is you know like when you're coming up against something <clears throat> or you're bringing your own baggage with you to a situation or maybe you've made a bad choice in the past that you can come to a point where you can reckon with that and you can forgive yourself for the mistakes that you've made and you can move beyond that. But that that's terrifying. You know, for some people, it's terrifying to let go of that baggage, even though it's so harmful to you, because it's something you've always known. It's something you've always had. And it's there's some comfort in that. Uh, I mean, that's why codependence and, and bad relationships continue on, even though they shouldn't. It's why people stay with people they shouldn't stay with because there's some comfort. The unknown is, is scary. And I think not only does that apply to relationships, but it, it applies to anything in life. Like when you're trying to learn something new or you're taking on um a new task like i don't know if this was part of your thought process or not it was certainly mine to think okay i've done a bunch of interview podcasts now i'm actually going to try to write stuff and i'm going to put it out there and put it into the world and i'm going to try to create this experience that i enjoyed with old time radio dramas but modernize it a little bit and kind of tie in you know all these different elements together and put it out there and that's terrifying to, to put all that stuff and go well now people are going to listen to it and judge it um but yeah. yeah i mean like i think we all go through that which is kind of the real lesson behind you know what the show does is it's like these are the bad things that we do these are the bad things we've done these are the choices we have to make and and how do we move into that choice
2: the uh going back a little bit and sort of sending out in the world, it's very easy to get caught up in analytics. And it's one thing to say, oh, well, thousands of people listen to the show. This has had thousands of downloads and whatnot. And that's impressive in itself. But I think it hits differently when you get uh, responses from listeners who have said, hey, I listened to your show whilst I was on my commute or I was just sat down with my, my partner and we just listened to the first season. And when they when they kind of put you into how they listen to the show, those people suddenly become much more real to you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, huh, this thing I did by myself in this room by myself with a computer with headphones <laughs> all by myself <laughs> is out into someone else's life. And that's when you start thinking about well, like you it's almost like uh it's a privilege for one because yeah. I don't ever want to take any Any listener whatsoever for granted. They Mm -hmm. took the time out of their day to listen to your show. I I feel like because they do that, I want to give it my all, regardless of how big or how little part I have in any show. Mm -hmm. Just so happens I've got quite a big part. Victoria's left. (laughs) That's Um, right. But with that, I feel once I started, because like the first, I'll I'll be honest, like twenty fifteen, sort of early twenty sixteen podcasts were still kind of taking off and people still kind of saw it as like a lesser, a lesser industry and people, yeah. there wasn't advertising that much back then. There wasn't that many great, there wasn't many people who were all the audio experts going into the field. Majority of the time it was, Hey, this, this is a way of me creating a project. I have no experience. Let's just see what happens. And I'm going to yeet it out into the universe. Go. <laughs> it's a different beast now. And I've grown through it. And I think once I started realizing, once I started realizing people' lessons and they sort of let me into their world, did I realize it's upon myself to give it my all and not? Podcast to me changed in that moment. It went from like, "Here's a project that I'm just doing in my room." To no, you have the talent, you have the skills. It's on you to make this triple A. You need to make this the best you can possibly get it. And I feel like that reverberates in any form of fields, whether you're whether you're creating something for yourself, maybe you're writing your own novella just for yourself, or whether you're creating embroidery, or if you're creating, I don't know, a Sistine Chapel. It's on you to give it the best you could possibly do it. Not only for listeners, but for yourself as well. Because we need we we need good art. We don't need any more copycats. And what Podcast has done <laughs> is it's taken away that barrier of needing to go to like a third party who've got all the money and say, how do I do this? You don't need that. Right. You, you can get your own con- microphone. You can get your own software. You can even get free software if you know what you're doing. And you can record it yourself. You can reduce it yourself. You can release it yourself. And with that comes the responsibility of that freedom of that you can create what you need to create out in the world. And yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and I take that really, really personally in that because I've got this freedom that, I'm going to be honest, many other people in other industries don't. Like, you, you try and create a TV show, how many bloody <laughs> producers and executives do you have to go through to even right. get anything close to what your original vision is? Podcast, you can design it all yourself and what you have envisioned, if so long as you're experienced enough, is very, very close to what the end product is. Yeah. And it's,
0: and you're right. There's a responsibility. I've always felt, you know, we, we, as artists, we have a responsibility. I mean, that's not to be all hoity toity or, or to put oneself about above others, but you know, part of what makes you different. Part of what makes you an artist is I think a responsibility that you have to use that for at least what you think is good. You know I mean? The reviews that the show gets, I don't, read every single one of them. I read a lot of them and I've read enough of them to know that, you know, for some people very humbly. So it has become more than what it was intended to be, you know, from people that says it helps them get through the loss of a child or the, the or a relationship or uh, come to terms with something that they've been carrying for a long time or talk to their therapist about a problem that they have. I mean, those are actual reviews that I, I mean I'm I'm you can hear me. I'm having a hard time I have always have a hard time kind of like saying how that makes me feel, but there's a great responsibility that goes along with it. Now that doesn't I don't feel I have that same responsibility when I see a review from someone that says, well, um, I don't like the politics. I, I listen to this show to get away from all that and 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 you brought politics into it. That's part of life, man. You know, we we all have to deal with what's out there in the world. And, and the best art, when I look at it, the best TV shows, the best writing, you know, it always has some sort of comment or something to say about the society of the day because that's what we do. You know, you look at Twilight Zone and Star Trek episodes and, you know, good books. You know, you look at Steinbeck and, you know, other great King, other great writers. I mean, that's our job. Painters, musicians, there's always more to it. And when I was young, I always thought, well, who is this person to tell me how to feel about something? And it's it's not that they're telling you how to feel about something. It's just that they're saying, here's what's going on in society, and this is how I feel about it. Um, and at and it, it's right. best, it's supposed to make you think it's supposed to make you go, hmm, maybe I'm maybe my preconceived ideas and strongly held beliefs uh, need to be reevaluated because that's how we grow and that's how we change. And um, I spent a lot of time with the show trying to be very careful not to comment on politics in the world in in, in ways that were not safe. You know what I mean? Like to specifically call out certain situations. And I feel that in order to be true to myself, I have to comment on things that I see that upset me. Um, So for anyone who listens, that that doesn't like an occasional nod at the world and what's going on in it, that's always been a part of the show and always will be. Um, But at its core, like you said, it's about the people it's about the emotions. It's about the uh, being confronted with things that are difficult and finding a way to change.
2: Yeah, I think with any show, when you try and stop being who you are, that's when you start problems start arising because then you try and. There's a sort of there's a sort of unwritten law about when you try and guess what your audience wants, then that's when you lose <laughs> your audience. Yes. <laughs> when you start, because it's it's kind of like, I don't know, it's when you're kids, and like, you, well, I, I'll pull it my way. When I was a kid, I always wanted a girlfriend from like as soon as I started age 10. And I always kind of said, well, I'd like this actor, like this actor, I want to look like this, I want to act like this. And that's all I did. And I created this very... This personality, and this persona, which I thought, well, this is how I'm cool, and I, I'm not saying like I did like the Johnny Bravo thing. I wasn't like a, <laughs> a douche or anything, but it's more like, oh, well, I idolise David Tennant, or you know, I really like Robin Williams, and I thought, okay, well, I've got to be like them, so I can get people to like me. Yeah. And I realised very, quite quickly, is that you're not them, <laughs> to put <point> it bluntly. Yeah. <laughs> and I re- it's kind of the same with creating. When you're trying to mimic someone else or if you're trying to curtail what is you, then it's not being authentic. And take some salt of this because we do have a responsibility into not glorifying things. So right. I've never been a fan of glorifying. Well, I do a lot of true crime podcasts and I, I don't work with any podcasts that glorify kills or like try and dramatize kills and whatnot. Because that's just insensitive and wrong. Right. And there's various things like we don't, we, we keep things, Victoria's left PG 13. And by that, I mean, there's the occasional swear, there's occasional bit, but we're not overusing swears. If there's a swear, there's a reason why there's a swear in there. Right. Um, That's the right kind of censoring to do. But when it's actually the actual topics and what you want to put out in the world, you have to be authentic and true to yourself, right. which is what you do.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something I kind of learned early on whenever I first started reading reviews and, and that's tough, man. Um, You can have 50 great reviews and then you have two bad ones and it's like the two that are bad are the ones that I focus on. And I think that's, that's human nature. Um, But eventually you get to a point where you realize that what you're really doing is you're eliminating the people that you're not writing your, your show or creating your show for. So, eventually you get to the point where the people that listen to your stuff and like it are, are the the audience that you're writing for. And sometimes you get people to kind of lean into that and change their mind and become part of your group. And sometimes people are going to reject that and move away because it's not for them. And that's fine. I mean, you, you, you eventually have to get to a point where you're like, I have to be true to myself and write what is in me and be who I am and not who other people think I should be. Um, I, I want to remember the line but there's a line in 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 uh what is it in the second uh Infinity War movie the um or maybe it is Infinity War where Thor meets his his deceased mother because he goes back in time and she has a something where she says to him something to the effect of be who you are and rather than rather than who you think you should be or others think you should be and I think that's a great piece of advice.
2: Yeah, it's a it's it's a perfect piece of advice and it's some some, well, we both really pretty much hold dear to our hearts. Yeah. And it's only really something you kind of learn through experience. Uh, when I say learn, I mean the sort of reading the comments, especially when it's something which is close to closely like this is, yes, it's money comes through the podcast and we get paid. We're professionals, but that doesn't mean it's any less of a creative a passion project. That that doesn't lessen, lessen it at all. No. If anything, it kind of heightens it in a way because you're putting even more of yourself out there and having that as like a way of income, which is a whole beast in itself. <laughs> but there comes a point where... I mean, valid is always really welcome. And there's lots of ways, even though the negative comments, it's good to try and get a sort of a temperature check mm-hmm. and see how people are yeah. perceiving your show your yeah. art, but at the same time with time it's you learn how to not take their criticisms personally and kind of see it more like it's just not for them Correct. there's nothing you could do that's going to work for them and there's no sort of malice i mean unless they're being nasty to you in which case they can go <laughs> sometimes away. sometimes um, some people but, just
0: like chaos for the sake of chaos some people are, are the joker from back. yeah uh, it's just uh
2: but at the same time, it's like you can kind of you can distance yourself from it because you know it's just a difference of opinion. And it's like, yeah, I, I can see you wanting Victoria to be this way or, you know, you wanting me to tell this story a different way, but at the same time, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to do things my way. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: Well Nico, you're so generous with everything that you do for the show and with your time and, and being here for this interview and 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 hanging out with me. Um, so we're coming up on an hour. So I want to make sure that I I give some time. We've been talking all about the lift. I want to talk about Nico. So tell me what's been going on that you've, you've gotten this, this new claim to fame. You've done some work for some, some pretty high profile clients. You're streaming. Someone made you a little orange to sit on your shoulder. Uh, (laughs) Tell me me about all this.
2: Little beeps. Uh, (laughs) so one of the, the companies I work with, one of the production companies I work with is called Rusty Quill. Yeah. And we do Twitch streams, which for those who don't know what Twitch is, it's basically YouTube, but it's live. So people play play games. And then if you're sort of chatting, you can see people's comments in real time and you can talk to them in real time. We developed something called a comfort crew. And what that basically means is whenever there's like a scary moment in the game, we would like bring our comfort crew mascot on our shoulders and they will kind of make the chat like the listeners the viewers watching feel more at ease so someone gave me a little tangerine which i affectionately called beeps because i'm a musician so i make beep musics so i make beeps and boops and whatnot so beeps came into my life um but Yeah, that's been effective. Basically, this past year, this pandemic, I've I've been subject to working on a lot more shows. But what I kind of learned is what sort of music I wanted to do for myself. So a lot of people know me as We Talk of Dreams. That has been my composer handle the entire way through my entire career. And I wanted to keep it that way. And I called it We Talk of Dreams, not I Talk of Dreams, because I wanted to use music to connect with people more so in the pandemic because i realized i'm this could be the long haul and if it's going to be the long haul and i've got to dramatically adapt what i'm doing to make sure i'm having personal connections to people yeah. <laughs> right. so i started writing music that was for myself that wasn't a soundtrack for another show basically the music that is me and it's on spotify it's on other streaming platforms but it's basically my music that is everything that I want to part in the worlds, And because people have known me through a mishmash of other podcasts and audiobooks and whatnot, they found me through that and then they started liking me for myself as opposed to, well, you're the composer for this and you're doing this. And don't get me wrong, I love being a part of that because I get to play in so many people's worlds. Mm-hmm. I I've been very, very lucky in that I've managed to create my own little community. And I use this community to sort of help people. And by that, I mean, I want my music and the way I do things to connect to people for one, but to break that barrier between creative person and the perceiver, the listener in podcasts. And through that, I want people to see what it's actually like doing that, what it does for myself. And I want to make real connections with these people and help them um, through the way I do things. And kind of showing people... Because on Twitter and on Twitch, I show people every single aspect of me. When I'm in a bad mood, when things aren't going right, I kind of show Twitter what it feels like to be that while you still got deadlines and while you're still in the public eye. So I created We Talk of Dreams as a place, as a community, to make a change that you don't need to be going out of this alone. You don't need to... Be a certain way to create art You don't need to have a certain degree You can, you as you are Are enough And What you create holds so much Worth and Just through you existing and through you Sharing your stuff online Makes a huge difference And don't let anyone else tell you differently So That's why I do We Talk Junos That's why I do the music I do because I wanted to show People this is who I am This is the music I want to make. And I use music as a form of connecting with people. But honestly, it could have been anything. If I was a writer, I would have done it through written work. If I was an actor, I would have acted it. It Just so happens that music is the thing that resonates with me the most. But I use music as a tool to connect. And this past year... Oh, I'm a little bit teary. This, This past year has proven that ethos right because I've grown from maybe talking to a few people a month to talking to hundreds, if not thousands of people every day. And it's very much giving me a sort of metaphorical home, but a home that feels very, very real to me. And uh, I'm very, very lucky in that regard. And lots of people kind of say, like, they have these ideas of what it means to make it so people say well when i've got grammys or when i'm making like a tv show when you know i've got this oscar or whatnot that's never been the case for me i think i wanted to make it the moment i made real life connections with people and i now have that and i very much feel very much content with myself with my life and i very much hope i can continue it for however long i get to live which you know Fingers crossed is another 50 years, 60 years. <laughs> we, who knows? We shall see. But that's right. Yeah. So if you want to follow what I do, We Talk of Dreams, you can find me in all the streaming services to get my music, or you can find me on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams, or I have a website as well, which is com. And, yeah, that I'll get off my little salt box though.
0: No. I get off the pedestal. That, no, you're supposed to be on a pedestal, man. You, I'm very proud of you. I, I mean, I'm so thrilled. I mean, we talked about this before the call that – you know, I, mean, I always thought that you had immense talent and you were a super nice guy and, you know, that eventually the world was going to find out that, too. And I'm just honored that I could get to continue to work with you and that we have, um, you know, so many big things planned for um, the Wicked Library and all of its tentacles and, and the, you know, the lift and or I'm sorry, Victoria's lift and all of its <laughs> tentacles uh, as well. Um, so I'll, I'll close with a question. Um. so Victoria and in, in her job in her building is she has calls people to her building to have them kind of confront something either about themselves, a choice that they need to make or a choice that they made incorrectly, something that they need to, to move beyond to become who they are and, and be a better person and uh, feel better about themselves, feel unburdened perhaps. I mean, there's, lots of different reasons why people find their way there, but it kind of follows um, a similar theme. So when in your life would you have welcomed a trip to Victoria's building and, and and what would you have come out as? This is quite an easy one.
2: A very, very easy one. Uh, before I made the switch, I was a mathlete. Math Maths to me was always super, super easy. So... All my qualifications were in the science side. I had a qualification in maths and something fancy called further maths. And I went to university to do maths. And it was very, very quickly. This was back in 2009. Yeah, 2009. I very, very quickly realized this is not the world I want. This is not the career I want. None of this is making me happy. And uh, I didn't have a job because I just moved to New City. I just moved to Glasgow. And one of the jobs you could do at the university is you can take part in these studies. So, like, the, there's a huge scientific research development team at Glasgow University, and they kind of need volunteers for various things. So, like, you could be anything from, like, brain scans to sort of, like, colour tests to sort of, like, auditory things. And uh, the one I signed up to do was basically a... Uh, someone to help someone who's visually impaired. So the way it set it up is that they put kind of blinders on me with headphones and they put up uh like GPS coordinates. So I was walking around in the park and if you kinda of got towards a bench, it was the beep would get louder. Okay. And you sort of divert in the path. And I remember doing that where it's kinda of completely closed off and it's sort of the first time I got to sort of think by myself about what do I want to do? And it was then where I just did the sort of Not out of body, but it's when I was trying to think like, well, what if I'm not a mathlete? What if I can see this other version of myself that gets to do music, who gets friends and, you know, gets to be happy? And then I built up this whole thing in my head about how I was going to do it. And that was around uh, May, June time of 2010. So it was sort of towards the end of the first year Mm -hmm. where I started thinking about music. And fast forward to 2015, I start, that's when I formed We Talk of Dreams. But that 2010 moment when I was in that park, I think I would have quite happily have taken Victoria in to try and show me on the <laughs> which version of life do you want to do? Do you want to be the math? Like, don't get me wrong, I, I maths wasn't right for me. Maths makes a lot of people happy and yeah. we need maths in the world to make all the huge uh, science developments that we do. It's just for me personally, I couldn't resonate with it. I know I was falling back on something that was easy for me to do, but was not making me happy. Right. And that's the moment when I
0: would have had a Victoria come in. Funny that math is is always said to be such a huge component of music and and composition.
2: Oh, yeah. People very much do. You can very much do it by the numbers if you so choose to especially when you're doing harmonies and chord structures and whatnot. And it's very much, it's why you hear a lot of my music. I, I tend to shy away. I mean, I've got a grade seven in music theory. I do know quite a bit of it, but I, my focus on music has always been on the quality of the instruments. Like Victoria's music box sounds distinct, no matter what note you play in it. She's right. got her own sound in that box. And to me, that quality of that instrument is what's important to me and that reflects in every score that i do and every piece of music that i make i want you to feel that and like i said at the start i very much want you to feel like it's a memory Mm -hmm. that you can virtually you can picture victoria sitting
0: there with a music box in the room um that's awesome. Well, Nico, thank you again so much for being my friend and for taking the time to share so much of yourself with the listeners. Uh, I hope it gives them a special insight into kind of the one of the hugest components of the the audio drama, which is the score and the music and kind of what goes into creating that and, you know, who our our, our resident composer is. Um, yeah, just thanks, man. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you. It's been incredible one i can't wait to see what the future is me too